Hey there guys and welcome back to the Travis and Damien podcast episode 17. We are available on anchor.fm slash Travis Damien podcast along with iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts and many more. So today we're going to talk about the general news. Then we're going to talk about uh, the argument of violence in video games. This argument is obviously going to be very biased from us because we like video games, but just to like put some logic into it. Then we're going to talk about our, our recent activities and just close the show out. So first piece of news is that 16-year-old Buga uh, over the past, I think it was like two weekends ago, he won the Fortnite Solos World Cup. Uh, and he came home with like $3.5 million. Now, I'm not sure exactly how much tax New York State is going to take out of that or whatever. But, I mean, he's a millionaire pretty much, which is very cool. Yeah, that, that's pretty sick. Like, imagine just winning Fortnite. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really need to do that much anymore. Like, I can just live my life comfortably. Like, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's pretty good. Mostly for someone so young. Like, you could do a lot with that. You could, like, you know. You could help your parents, maybe. You could just oh, save yeah, yourself definitely. alive, too. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could do whatever. <laughs> you don't have to mm-hmm. do anything anymore. Yeah. So I'm just curious, because I know that he streamed, like, after he won, obviously. But I wonder if he's going to, like, you know, have that like that same drive and same passion to, like, continue playing now that he has won. I'm pretty sure he does, because, you know, he's still very young, and he probably still wants to keep doing this. So uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see more of him in the future, but you know, the, uh, Fortnite world cup as a whole was definitely, uh, the format was very weird. Um, I felt, I mean, it was pretty much like all of these qualifiers and so many players didn't qualify, but once you got to, uh, the finals, which is, you know, all of 100 players, you could see exactly how good certain people are in terms of how the game is played out. So, right. I don't know. It was weird. Cause I don't think I've ever watched an actual competitive match of Fortnite before. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just seems like a game that I really don't know how it would even be structured. Like when you just put all a hundred people down. Like, yeah. You just mm-hmm. play, eh. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, people play obviously extremely safe. And like when the circle gets really small, like thirty people are still alive or whatever. But like once it gets to that point, that's when it starts to get very exciting. Yeah. Because that's when like the clutch factor comes in and this and that. But it was definitely very fun to go and watch uh, the solo finals because you know. It's all 100 players, and, you know, Tifu was there, but unfortunately he did not perform as well. But every single one that qualified for the finals came home with, like, a couple thousand dollars. So can't be too mad, I guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be that mad. <laughs> Sounds pretty good to me. All right, so next we got pretty big news. Ninja moves to Mixer. So uh, if you don't know what Mixer is, it's, like, another, like, streaming website, sort of like a competitor to Twitch. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they offered him a bunch of money, and now he's on Mixer. Um... I think this would be pretty good so Twitch could actually, like, have some competition. It's sort of like what people wanted the Epic Game Store to be the Steam, except, you know, the Epic Game Store kind of sucks, and then, like, <laughs> no one really appreciates it or whatever. But uh, with Mixer, yeah. if there aren't, like, you know, maybe it could be seen as a good alternative, and maybe some more streamers might hop into that, and then, like, you know, just good competition for Twitch so they could, like, improve on stuff, you know? Th- that's how yeah. I see it. Like, I really don't care about Ninja. I don't really care about Fortnite, but um, I see this as a good, like, sort of, like, oh, Twitch better get you know, working on improvements and stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Ninja moving to Mixer. I mean, it is a Microsoft-based streaming platform, I believe. Yeah. So, like, that's very interesting, which explains why he went there because he probably got, uh, you know, contracted to a lot of money to stream there exclusively because, you know, moving from one platform to another, you're bound to lose people. But his first day streaming, obviously, is going to be very, very big. I wonder exactly how consistent that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. 
competition is always good. Um, I don't see this as like a sellout mover or anything like that. I mean, like, you know, he's a businessman. He's doing what he thinks is right. And especially with all of the recent drama that we have not talked about on this show with like, you know, twitchy girls and yeah. like things that they've done and they haven't gotten punished for it. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, this is a knock on the door to twitch to be like yo you gotta like either fix your terms of services or whatever you know there's like multiple things that twitch can fix up uh and you know ninja moving over to mixer i think is the first sign that you know they need to do something yeah and i uh i don't know it's just gonna be good for microsoft too since you know probably like a lot of kids like they probably just play on their xboxes and stuff and they probably have they have like defaulted to like mixer and like their xbox dashboard or whatever so he's probably mm-hmm. gonna get views that way and then maybe those kids you know maybe they like they're sort of like growing up on mixer so they're just gonna use it instead of twitch now because you know it's like why would he use twitch when i could just use mixer so i mean that's how i see it as but again i don't know if that's true or not and that's just like speculation but um yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a smart move by microsoft to really get mixer off the ground since you know for a while now it was just kind of like a joke just like mixer like who cares about mixer i mean i still don't care about mixer but mm-hmm. if, if it's able to like make twitch improve on some things then that will certainly be good so yeah definitely very very cool yeah okay so riot games is working on a fighting game and this is the first game outside of league of legends mm-hmm. so it's going to be a completely new fighting game that's all we know and it's not going to be league of legends related so this is going to be very interesting um obviously they've been working on this for a very very long time yeah uh and i just wonder exactly how well this game is going to do just because um you know, like Riot has pretty much been holding on to League of Legends since they've started. And I wonder how much they've actually taken into consideration with this fighting game. Because they want to they wanted make it good for casuals and, you know, pros, which is like very, very hard to do. So I wonder if they're actually going to execute on that or if it's just going to be another one of those fighting games where like, you know, skill cap is, you know, pretty uh, good entry level. But then, you know, once you get to like the pro level, it's going to be like insane. Yeah, like... I still think the only, like, real fighting game that really did that well, like, the whole casual competitive thing is Smash, and that was kind of by accident anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Nintendo didn't want it to be like that, but, you know, people just ended up finding a way to make it, like, super competitive. Um, So Riot, like, trying to, like, have that focus, like, intentionally, I don't know, I feel like it might mix some people up, like, oh, maybe, like, the game is too casual, too easy, or, or maybe it's still too hard for, like, newer players to really get into. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like fighting games is just a really hard genre to like make for like casual people anyway. Like there's ways yeah. to make it like approachable. Like I think like Soul Calibur Six and Mortal Kombat Eleven did do a pretty good job since there's a lot of single player content. So even if you don't play competitively, you could enjoy those modes and have a good time. And you know, for someone like me that I'm not that competitive with fighting games because I'm bad. You know, I appreciate that. Same thing with Smash Ultimate with uh, Word of Light. I'm like, I could have a really good time with that game while even, like, touching online because, you know, I could just play with bots and whatever, you know, just have a fun little single-player mode. But when you mm-hmm. actually, like, actively try and make the game, like, competitively but still easy to get into, I feel like it, that's when you run into problems, I guess. Like, I don't know. I just – it's hard to balance those two things, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's it's obviously going to be very interesting once the game does get shown off and how well it is received by the general public because, you know, most people know Riot Games as the League of Legends devs. That's it. So yeah. once they get another game under their belt, let's see exactly how well they can do with that. So Yeah. And uh, speaking of fighting games, uh, we had a big uh, sort of mistake here at EVO. <laughs> so uh, during uh, Tekken 7, they showed a reveal trailer, well, quote-unquote reveal trailer, where Snake, you know, Solid Snake... 
from Metal Gear. He like said some lines. He's like, "That's some good ass Tekken." Everyone got hyped, and then it was a joke. Snake is not really in uh, Tekken Seven. It was just like a joke the Evo people did for some reason, and people got really yeah. mad, including David Hayter, the voice actor for Snake. He's like, <laughs> "Hey, don't use my voice like that." Like that was like a private like thing someone paid me to do. I didn't know it was gonna be at Evo, so please don't do that. And probably I think Konami got mad too. Like it was just it was like a whole mess. I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, definitely bad PR on their part. Yeah. Um, there was no good side of this at all because people thought that yo Solid Snake and Tekken that's gonna be crazy, and yeah. then it's like yo, uh, this was a joke by the way. It's like how do you do that without thinking that like people are gonna think about you know Snake being an actual fighter in Tekken, so. Yeah, this was just bad on all fronts. And even, like, the voice actor, David Hayter, like, that was very surprising for him to come out and be like, yo, that was really bad sort of yeah, thing. It's just, like, I don't know, it also, like, takes the wind under the sails of, like, some of the other character reveals for, like, Tekken. Like, because it's like, oh, well, it's not going to be as cool as Snake, so whatever. Like, I don't know, it just seems like a whole mess. Like, I feel like they really sort of contacted everyone involved, you know, Konami and, like, David Hayter and, uh, you know, the devs for Second 7, like, just, like, hey could we do this is this okay and if they say no then don't do the joke you know i don't know i just feel like that was super unprofessional and just like it was just like a bad joke and now they're really paying the price for it because everyone's mad so yeah i really don't understand what they were thinking when they when they came up with this idea (laughs) yeah definitely it's it's just like they weren't thinking at all they were, were just like hey this would be like a pretty funny joke and then everyone around the office was like yeah that is a pretty funny joke and then like someone actually went and did it like wait we probably should have like taken a couple of like extra steps trying to do this you know yeah just really really weird okay so esa entertainment software association they will now require developers to disclose to sony microsoft and or nintendo about loot box odds so loot boxes have been a prime topic of discussion for quite a while now um and the fact that they are now coming forward and being like yo devs you have to let us know what the loot box what the loot box odds are to the three major devs, I think is a very good step in the right direction. And to answer this, the Rocket League devs, they are now getting rid of paid or randomized crates later this year. So yeah, it's just very interesting for them to finally do this now. Um, But yeah, I mean like not having the odds to like knowing exactly what you're going to get in a loot box is kind of weird, I think. Yeah, like, I think, obviously, this should have been from the start always, like, you know, just telling you the odds of, like, you know, you got, like, a, like, 90% chance to get a common and, like, a 1% chance to get, like, a legendary, like, and that should have always been, like, public information, uh, so I'm finally glad that something's getting done with it and that, you know, Sony, like, they're forcing Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to, like, hey, do this, please, <laughs> so I was like, okay, so now they have no choice but to, like, display those uh, probability chances. Uh, but what I do think what's going to happen now is that games are probably just not even going to use loot boxes anymore. I mean, th- this is my theory. I think games are going to, like, sort of, like, go away from this loot box stuff since, like, now it's, like, super, like, you know, they, there's regulations and stuff. And they're probably going to move towards that, like, Fortnite style of a shop where it's, like, hey, you got some things for a limited time only. Like, buy it now or else it won't be here for what, what for how long, you know? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's probably a smarter way to make money now than just doing loot boxes because they're so, like, you know like regulated now so i don't yeah. know that that's just what i think that uh these companies are gonna do to monetize their games now but i guess we're just gonna have to see yeah i definitely 
understand your theory and kind of agree with it because you know the rocket league devs already pulled out of it so they're going to implement that later this year so probably other devs will follow in their footsteps and the way fortnite has been doing their uh transactions or their uh microtransactions my apologies uh is obviously very smart it's a limited time sort of thing so people feel pressured to you know spend money and buy it um and yeah i definitely see that all the time you know like when it's like hey it's a limited thing people feel pressure to buy it and i have been victim to that too many other products not just within microtransactions but yeah uh devs will probably uh, either follow that way or just like you said just not even have them anymore just because they don't want people to know what the odds are for mm-hmm. whatever reason yeah because with the odds and when you see like oh there's like only like a one percent chance to get like some legendary thing you're gonna be like why would i ever buy that now so yeah i think mm-hmm. i think a lot more developers are gonna stay away from loot boxes which is also good like you know like i'd rather not have them anymore <laughs> like they were mm-hmm. fine at first when overwatch first came out I'm like okay whatever it's fine and then when you have to spend like forty dollars to get like one legendary skin, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? So um, yeah, I, I think this is a good way to either really regulate loot boxes or just make them stop. Like I think this is this is this is a good thing. And if anyone disagrees with that, then you, I don't know what to think about you. <laughs> but yeah, okay. so right. let's get into this. Yeah, uh, obviously this is gonna be very like political sort of argument just because of what everything that that's been going on within america we won't talk about that but it is very sad and very tragic that we live in a time where things like this is are are happening you know Mm -hmm. so uh the argument that has been brought up even by the president of the united states fucking trump uh and several other politicians and people is that violence in video games causes violence in the real world so I guess I'll go first and tell you my personal experience, and then you could go, Damon, in in terms of, like, what we think about that, because we have been exposed to violent video games at a young age. Um, So, personally, for myself, it's always been, like, blood, gore, all that stuff. Um, You know, like, I have played Gears of War when I was, like, not even 10. Like, I was playing that game uh, with my friends, uh, my neighbor, you know, games like that. And I don't want to do violent things in the real world because i'm doing it in the game and also like the main thing that people are not taking away from violent video games is that like you have to be within a certain mental state to really play them and not go awol sort Mm -hmm. of thing so when people bring up fortnite as like a violent video game i just laugh because that game is so (laughs) that game is so cartoony it's like ridiculous that you think that fortnite where it's like a mixture of goddamn Minecraft and like shooting people is going to bring people to do violence in the real world. Now, I understand with like things like Call of Duty and GTA bringing that kind of stuff up, but even then that that argument is pretty bad because there have been multiple studies and multiple things out there. And I've even done like school assignments where like do violence in video games actually cause violence in real life? And every single time it's goddamn no because it actually doesn't do that. And the fact that Walmart is going to stop advertising violent video games in their like ads or whatever is very weird, especially since they're still going to sell guns in certain Walmart stores, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know. You kind of either have to do one or the other, pull them both out or just leave it as is. Yeah. Like, uh, just like you, you know, I've been playing violent video games for like ever, you know, like blood and stuff like that, like guns and whatever. And I, I turned out just fine. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I've never had the mindset where I'm like, I'm just going to like murder a bunch of people now because I 
play God of War or something. Like that never crossed my mind. So obviously that is already linked to something that's you know a mental issue and like ease of getting a gun. Like there's like no correlation between violence and games and like people wanting to do this stuff because they were probably gonna do it anyway. <laughs> like you know yeah. like it's not the games that triggered them. Also, the violence in video games are most of the time very, like, exaggerated. Like, they're, like, so ridiculous that it's something that would never happen oh, yeah. in real life. Like, mm-hmm. like I remember the Mortal Kombat devs really saying this. Like, they made the death animations and all these fatalities and stuff super ridiculous just because it's, like, it's to the point where it's funny. Like, it's not like this is something that would <laughs> never happen in real life. So that's how they get away with such, like, violent stuff because it's, like, that, that would never happen in real life. And it's just, like... It's super video gamey, you know? Even Gears of War. Like, you just... You chop someone up with, like, a chainsaw gun. Like, that (laughs) is so stupid. Like, of course Mm -hmm. it's not gonna, like, cause someone to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna do that in real life. Like, it doesn't work like that. Um, And again, this is mostly just them. Like, they always done... They've been doing this for years. Just shifting blame to, like, a scapegoat, you know? They do it with, like, music and movies and TV shows and video games. You know, it's like... It's always the same thing. They just do it because it's an easy thing to, like, blame on without actually doing anything. Like... You know, they don't have to do stricter gun laws or they don't have to do like do like Medicare stuff for like mentally ill people. You know, it's just it's just such an easy thing to blame. Like, oh, video games are causing all of this instead of like the actual problem. And it, it, it just like it's blowing my mind that Walmart, <laughs> you know, is just like, OK, instead of actually like like stop selling guns or just like stri- being way stricter with the guns they sell just to, uh, let's just blame it on video games i'm like what <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's just so horrible like i just do not understand like any of this like <laughs> this mindset yeah but um, i don't understand it either i think it's literally because they're an older generation that's yeah. why and they don't understand exactly what's going through a person's mind I, I, when they actually play these games you know like i agree with that but i also think they just don't care like they just like that too <laughs> yeah like I, I just don't think they, they just don't care like they're just like they're just like just blame it on video games because it doesn't matter to us like if they blame it on movies or something like oh we, we like movies so let's just i don't know so blame it on games or whatever like who cares <laughs> and like that that sort of mentality shifting the blame on something that should be in the light right now which is like guns and like mental health issues and all that stuff but i guess you know that would never be solved because we just always gotta blame it on something else so <laughs> yeah it's because video games are still like a newer form of entertainment I feel compared to like movies, TV shows and uh, music. So like, you know, back in the day, people would be like people who listen to like metal music do this. But now it's like, no, they don't. What the hell? So I think eventually, I don't know when that'll be. But eventually, once more people, you know, are aware of like what games actually have an impact on, because most of the time video games bring people together and and video games are used as a way to escape from the real world in terms of like you know the stress of like whatever's going on in x person's life so right now it's kind of just like whatever it's the same song and dance that i've heard for years where it's like violence in video games cause violence in the real world that is just a whole dumb argument that people say that and they just don't understand where it's coming from because they just see it and they just believe yeah and i'm happy that a lot of people are like on this side now where it's like yeah that's bs like we don't believe this anymore like like sure there's gonna always be like those like you know people the older generations are like oh of course it's video games but 
I'm glad a lot more people, you know, there's actual studies now, like, back in, like, 2008 or whatever, like, you know, people were also blaming violence on video games, but we didn't really have all this support. Now a lot of people are just like, yeah, no, that's BS, like, actually, like, solve the issue now, please, like, stop blaming video games, because that's not the issue, obviously, <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll just get off this topic and talk about our recent activities. So, I'll let you go first, because I got a yeah. lot of gushing to do. Once I get All to right, so <laughs> I have been playing the new Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I already beat it actually, um, and it is holy shit for Wait, me. My, the the playthrough I did was sixty five hours. <laughs> it was very long, but I oh played a lot God. of it because I loved it. So you know, I, my first Fire Emblem game was Awakening. Like I think a lot of people were because that's when they were introduced to the series, um, and I loved it. Fates came out, didn't like it too much, uh, but then I played Shadows of Valentia, which was the last DS game, and I feel like everyone forgot about it, but that one was very good too, I liked that one a lot. Uh, so with this game, it takes actually a lot of things from that game, uh, being there's no weapon triangle, there's uh, a lot less shipping and stuff, there's all, every single line, like every single dialogue thing that a character says is uh, fully voice acted, which is really nice. Um, I like that a lot. All the voice acting is very good. No uh, dubbed and stuff like that. You, I think you can play it subbed as well. Like you know, you can play with Japanese voices. Um, but yeah, overall the game is just really good. It just takes everything that that um, what you call it that Shadows of Valentia did with a more serious story, but still being like a little lighthearted that Awakening did. But it, it does it really well. It's hard to explain. Um, I know a lot of people were scared, like you know not too sure about the whole school stuff. But I think it, it worked out really well in the end. Mm -hmm. You could, like, you know, teach all your students things. You could train them to be whatever units you want and stuff. It really leads to a lot of customizability. Uh, I, I thought that from the first trailer I saw. Oh, this looks cool because you could, like, train all your units to be whatever you want. I know some people, again, they weren't sure about it because they were, you know, like, oh, it's just going to be, like, a high school thing. But it really wasn't. They really do treat the story, like, really maturely. And, like, it, the high school stuff doesn't really, like, you know play into the story that much it's just like it's just a way for you to train your units really so that's good um and yeah and you know t speaking of the characters i i like them all a lot at least for my class i picked like the yellow house the golden deers and all the characters didn't feel like one note units that you got from awakening and fates where they were just like hey i like doing this one thing and that's it and you didn't really care about them that much i felt like in this game they give them a lot more backstories and like other things with the other uh, classmates and stuff it was really good like I actually like cared about my units a lot in this game and I didn't really want to like replace any of my starting units like they give you room for at least like one more recruitable person but that's about it like most of the time you're gonna you could just use your class and you'll be totally fine which is what I did because um, you know you just feel attached to them like I, I didn't want to change them for other units like I was totally okay with just using what they gave me um but yeah, overall, I, I thought it was just like, it, it was great. Like, it was a really good um, evolution of what Fire Emblem has become now. You know, obviously there's still some, like, shipping things or whatever, but it's not nearly as bad as Fates was with, like, you know, you could, like, pet people, and that was weird. <laughs> uh, I felt like the story was, you know, more based on, like, Game of Thronesy type stuff, where it's, like, you know, three house leaders and stuff like that, you know, fighting each other. Like, I thought that's just more compelling than just being like, oh, evil dark mage or whatever. Like, because it's like, you know, I see that all the time in every JRPG or even in other Fire Emblem games where it's just like, fight the evil god. And this game does have that, but it's like, it really isn't as in your face as those other games. Like, it's mostly based on like the political stuff, which is like, I just find it more interesting for a game like this. Um, and obviously gameplay is like, it's always, it's Fire Emblem, <laughs> you know, like nothing's revolutionary really with the <laughs> gameplay, but that's fine because the gameplay in Fire Emblem is great. 
you know, again, most of the gameplay changes were with the monastery and stuff, you know, the school. And um, I feel like that stuff was done really well. It felt like Persona was like every week you could, again, teach your students. And then every Sunday you have an off day where you could uh, do various free uh, activities. So you could either like do uh, side quests, you know, you could battle or whatever. Or you could explore the actual monastery and talk to the students and like gift them stuff and do all that stuff. Uh, it never broke the pace for me. I know some people say they didn't really like that part because, you know, all they want to do is actually like, you know, fight and stuff. But I feel like it was a good change of pace. Like, they don't really force you to do it every single, like, Sunday. Like, it's mostly during the first month of that, like, uh, yeah, the first, like, Sunday of that month where it's, like, there's a bunch of new stuff you could do in the uh, exploration mode. But uh, after that, you are free to, like, just battle the rest of the month. So it doesn't really feel too intrusive. Uh, overall, I, I loved it. You know, I, I beat it, like, real quick because it was just really fun to play through. Um, the game feels whole, like, it doesn't feel like I'm missing anything from just playing the one playthrough, you know, there's, like, four routes you could go through, um, but, like, you know, the game feels whole just by picking one route, but it does leave you, like, like, I wonder what the motivation for this other house was, and, you know, you could do that easily by doing a New Game Plus, uh, run, which I might do, because I really want to know the story of the other two characters, um, but yeah, overall, it was fantastic. I love it, and I, a lot of other people are having the same opinion. That it's just like just a really good Fire Emblem game. So if you're looking for for a good Fire Emblem game, this is a really good starting point because the game is actually pretty easy. Uh, I was playing on hard mode, and even in hard mode, the game was like it felt really easy. So I feel like this is a really good starting point if you haven't played a Fire Emblem game before. It also brought back the mechanic where you could turn back time like for a few turns, so you could fix any mistakes. So let's say your character miss like an attack you could rewind time so you could like try something else so i feel like those two mechanics really make it like you know it's like more welcoming to newcomers so yeah overall i i think it was fantastic and i think it's a good uh a good starting point for any new fire emblem like anyone that wants to get into fire emblem right now so yeah it's it's really good um it's pretty good for a yeah, switch it's very good game. Um, so next, this, this one's kind of controversial. So Smash, so Smash Ultimate got a new hero, <laughs> a new character called Hero from Dragon Quest, and uh, I, I guess I'll go through my personal, you know, thoughts on the character. I really like him. He's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he is really gimmicky though. You know, his down B is the whole command like menu, and you're able to pick what move you want that comes up at random. You know, there's four random moves that come up, and you know some, you know. Yeah. Some might be a little problematic, like Thwack, which could like instantly kill you, or um, I forgot what some other ones were, <laughs> but you know they're very strong moves, and the moves are random. Also, like a snooze, snooze is one that just makes you go to sleep. And yeah. It's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but even though that's not where the problems even end with him, he also has random critical hits because that's mm-hmm. what everyone loved, right? Everyone loved yep. random tripping and brawl, mm-hmm. so we're just gonna add random critical hits. Which you could just like instantly kill a Pichu if you're near the side of the the stage, so that's fun. Yeah, and like yep. instantly break a shield. Um, you also have like like even his regular like B moves are good. Like his neutral B does a bunch of damage and like could kill you really early. And his side B is also like like really nice. Has a nice long range, and if you hold it up all the way, it could just kill you very easily. Um, I guess the downsides with him is like all his moves have horrible like frame data, like they come out very slowly. But I feel like his strengths kind of overshadow his weaknesses in a lot of respects. And for me as a casual player, he's really fun. Like, I really like playing this character because of how, you know, he's very flashy. He has a lot of gimmicks and he's just fun to play. As a competitive side, 
I could see him being a big problem. Really, my <laughs> only issue, my real only yeah. issue is the random critical hits. I feel like that's BS no matter what side of the fence you're on. That, that just shouldn't exist. <laughs> like, it's never fun to just randomly crit someone. It's like, I didn't really deserve that. And if the other person's like, I really didn't deserve that. So yeah, random crits just shouldn't even be <laughs> in this game. Uh, and the command menu is just like, I, don't, I feel like it should just tone down some of the abilities. Like, like Thwack probably shouldn't just insta-kill you. That's dumb. And I know some people are going to bring up, like, oh, Game & Watch has, like, Judgment with 9. But I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like a 9 doesn't kill you sometimes. Yeah. And then Thwack is always going to kill you if you get that sweet spot with it or whatever. So, I don't know. It's, it's like a whole controversial thing. People are really not liking this character just due to all the RNG. Uh, I still remain. I still have my stance that he's a fun character. But, yeah, he's probably not great for competitive. <laughs> all right. So, I guess I have yeah. an opinion on this. Uh, I mean, I've, I watch Smash Twitter a lot, just like lurking and like yeah. see what people are saying, but pretty much uh, most people are saying that this is going to be like a problematic character for a competitive and we're about to see how that is going to play out this weekend <laughs> at Super Smash Con. I believe he's, uh, uh, I believe he's enabled for that tournament, but yeah, uh, for myself, he is definitely very fun to watch. I just love watching like YouTube videos of like the, uh, pro players and like streams of just like them playing the uh character and i'm just like mm, this is very interesting to go and see them you know do this because they don't know exactly what's happening right now because this is yeah. a new character um but yeah i mean if i were to play him i I'd probably have a good time with him i mean he like i, I love yeah, sword same. characters so like obviously like this is this is already a win for me but you know if i were to like actually like try him out and see how he is i think that i would definitely like him uh, but you know the uh, whole like menu thing uh, with down B, I don't think it's Me that either, big of a problem. Actually. I know that some people were uh, were uh, memeing that like, yo, I'm about <laughs> yeah. to change the uh, language to Spanish, and y'all gotta be bilingual. And I'm like, this is this is a really troll, because you know like you have to like memor like memorize or like quickly see what what move you're about mm -hmm. to use or whatever because you know you can't just like browse through the uh, menu as you're fighting or whatever so you kind of yeah yeah and that's way. and like most of the matches i do i barely even use the down b just because like it's really hard to bring that up read and then choose a move when you're in the middle of a fight like you mostly want to use it when you know someone's like at the ledge or like you know try to recover back and then you could use it but even then you'll probably like have a better time just trying to like you know kill them off stage or whatever you know um, so yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be, his downbeat probably isn't going to be that much of a problem, I feel. Like, it's very situational when you're even going to use it. Um, the only, again, that's why I think my only real complaint with this character is the random crits, because that's just always dumb, so. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully they fix that, but I don't really know. But overall, I think he's a fun character. Until, uh, until someone gets, uh, thwacked game five, uh, of a grand finals. Yeah, <laughs> right now I right think now. he's okay, but <laughs> I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, I think most people are going to pick him up as a secondary. I, I, it'd be hard for me to imagine that people are yeah. just going to main hero. Unless he's actually like that good of a character, which I don't think he is, in my opinion. But we're just going to have to wait and see because this is still a new character in a yeah. fighting game. Okay, so my thing I'm doing, obviously, is League of Legends. So I'm going to give you guys an update on my whole year off plan that I've been doing uh, for a while now. Uh, so... Last weekend, we competed in a Scouting Grounds event. We made it to top oh, wow. eight, actually. This is the furthest we've ever went. 
but we lost to Maryville, a uh, team consisting of really good players like Shady as their support, Evan RL, uh, a bunch of people in like the the uh, amateur scene that are really really good. So we lost uh, 0-2 to them, unfortunately. But last week I started feeling some minor uh, wrist pains. It's not like anything too serious because I went to a doctor mm-hmm. two days ago and she gave me these pills that were pretty much all right. If you ever feel pain, just take one. It lasts like 12 hours. Uh, and like the thing says, you'll make, you'll feel drowsy, this and that. So pretty much every single time I go to work, when I park my car, I take one and then, uh, for the rest of the day, I don't really feel it. Uh, but I am wearing my wrist guards at all times now, pretty much even when I'm at work. So yesterday when I went to work, my, uh, cool manager, he was like, damn son, you're getting <laughs> way too hard. I was like, stop, okay, please. And then the, the, uh, actual store manager, uh, he didn't know my story about the whole like gaming thing. So, you know. He asked questions about, you know, what my parents think, this and that. And, you know, it was just a nice conversation to have with one of my many bosses out there at the uh, job. But, yeah, uh, I'm doing fine right now. But League of Legends solo queue is just terrible. Um, I get at least two people auto-filled on my team. And it's really bad when I'm playing support because I need to rely on these people to carry me in a way. So solo queue is just not fun just because of the amount of autofill players and on top of that the matchmaking so like i'm like grandmaster like almost 300 lp i think i'm like 2 lp off but i see like people getting paired up with like Oof. diamond three diamond two players and i'm just like what the hell is going on with matchmaking like obviously you're getting into games faster but the way riot match makes the games it just makes right. the game quality terrible so they said they're working on a fix until then i'm gonna be playing my decay games until then so I'm pretty much just going to be playing to make sure that I don't decay off of my current rank. And I'm not going to be playing to grind right now just because it's just a waste of time. And on top of that, I need to, like, rest my wrist right now. So so to rest my wrist, I've been playing a less intensive game, TFT. Uh, that game is still, you know, like, very, like, orangey, mm-hmm. I feel sometimes. Uh, you know, some games, if you don't get certain yeah. items, you're just screwed. Or, like... It, if you don't get enough items like at all you're just screwed entirely and it just feels really really bad when you lose because of that um and when you get like seventh or eighth it feels really bad in rank just because you lose like plus 20 lp or something like that but when you manage to get like top four you know you do get a lot of lp in return but i'm still like bronze or whatever you know it's it's just a mode I play for whenever I, I just want to, like, chill, relax, listen to music or even a podcast because, you know, I can listen to a podcast while playing TFT because I don't have to worry about so much. I just have to worry about myself and, like, what other people are doing and what I'm, and yeah. what I'm trying to do, pretty much. So, uh, and then we played Mind Night. <laughs> so, this game's kind of old, uh, but it's pretty good. And the best way I can describe it, and I think you can... Uh, agree with me on this as well it's it's a mixture of like werewolf yeah. town of salem uh mafia but it's like online and it, and it has its own like separate rules sort of thing it's also like quicker too yeah definitely uh some aspects of it definitely feel a lot quicker um and yeah i mean you know it's it, it's pretty much a online version of like those games but like a mixture of them in a way yeah again, i just like really, really how like more clean and simple it is because with town of salem sometimes it can get a little much like you know there's a lot of roles and stuff like that but this one's mostly just hacker 
and um, wherever you call the other people, <laughs> the not hackers, agents, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, all you have uh-huh. is the agents and the yeah, hackers, agents. and then maybe they have, like, one role each in, like, a different game mode, and that's about it. So having, like, that more clean, like, just, like, everyone knows what they are, basically, I, it just leads to, like, quicker games and, like, it's just not too much confusion and stuff. Or you could be, like, oh, I'm not in, like, a crappy role, like, medium. Like, who cares? Like, oh, I'm a medium in town of Salem. Like, I can't do anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just yeah. find it more fun, honestly. Yeah. And I believe it was on sale when we bought it. I'm not sure what the actual price of the game is, but you need to type in my night steam. Cause if you don't, you're going to get some weird <laughs> Google searches. Oh God, so yeah, definitely need to type in my night and then steam, uh, the game, the game's yeah, free to play. Yeah, it's free to, it's free to play. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you have like up to seven other of your friends, you can play this with up to eight people, which is very, very cool. But yeah, it's definitely a very fun game to just goof around with. Uh, and then I watched a lot yeah. of Spider-Man related things. So, spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon. Uh, I recently found out that the Blu-ray set is actually like out of print and like really expensive. So I went on eBay and quickly bought one that was the cheapest price mm-hmm. that I could find at the time. Uh, and I've rewatched uh, the entire series, season one and two, <laughs> twice now. And it's literally because the yes. show is so good, and like the reason why it's so good is because i watched like the behind the scenes videos on the on the uh, set and pretty much everyone that was making the show was a fan of the the uh, character and on top of that they made no new characters and they try to stay very dedicated to the original steve ditko and stanley run and it works and obviously they modernize it by like changing the color of certain characters and like you know adding venom into the mix because you know like back then venom wasn't like a huge player within the spider-man world but you know once he came out in like the 90s he was a very popular character so they they integrated his character well into the show as well and one thing i've learned just by watching all of these like spider-man things lately is like what makes a good spider-man story is one that like every single time spider-man does something peter parker life takes a hit in Mm -hmm. one way or the other so in this show like the uh, first time that like he takes a major hit is when he uh goes out and bees spider-man and like tries to you know save uh connors who became the lizard and uh in doing so he also was taking pictures for the bugle contest or whatever and you know the people they don't know that like you know um that he's spider-man and that he was there but he just had his camera or whatever so when they see that they just think that he bailed on the group to do that contest or whatever but obviously he was there as spider-man doing his thing so that happens a lot throughout the show and like it happens a lot within uh spider-man 2 especially um which i watched recently so the ratio i like to come up with is is a one to one to two in spectacular spider-man so every good thing that spider-man does there's like two bad things that happen to peter parker in spider-man 2 it's like a (laughs) one to five ratio because that entire movie is about Peter Parker getting shit on yeah. by life, whether it's to pay rent or like Mary Jane or whatever the hell is going on. Like that movie is just like, all right, let's just watch Peter Parker get shit on. And then once he finally decides to quit as Spider-Man, that's when you see that like, you know, crime rises up and like, you know, like he can't have the best of both worlds pretty much. He has to like balance it out. And that is why i love the character is because you see exactly how he has to balance it out while keeping this secret identity sort of thing going on so 
the spectacular spider-man cartoon show it is like my favorite on-screen representation of the character just because they stayed very faithful to the original comics and on top of that it just it was just done really really well um and then the sam raimi movies i've only watched the first two right now but the original spider-man uh, is pretty much the way I got into the character mainly, I believe. Uh, and then the sequel, Spider-Man 2, as I'm much older, is definitely probably the best Spider-Man movie in terms of, like, a Peter Parker story to date just because of what they do within that movie, you know, just, like, shitting on it, shitting on Peter Parker the entire movie and then you seeing him being like, you know what, I'm not going to be Spider-Man anymore because I need to take care of myself. And that's when you see that, you know, since he's not Spider-Man anymore, that's when crime rises up and this and that, but yeah those two movies are great um and that's pretty much all i have on the table for my recent um, activities yeah i mean all i want to say is that yeah um spectacular spider-man is really good and everyone should watch it <laughs> i should probably rewatch it too because the last time i watched it was when i was like 10 so i should probably go and rewatch them because mm-hmm. they are very good and i was really sad when they got canceled because that was when disney was buying spider-man and that had to go so oh yeah <laughs> so I guess oh. I could talk about this real quick. So I did some research, um, obviously. And, like, the main thing that I think people have said is that, like, so when they were transferring the, the uh, TV rights from Sony Pictures to Marvel slash Disney, uh, Sony kept the rights to the Spectacular Spider-Man. And then they gave the rights for Marvel to make a new show slash Disney to, you know, do whatever, pretty much. So... Unless Disney buys Sony Pictures, we're not going to get a, another season of Spectacular Spider-Man, unfortunately. Unless Sony just gives that up. Um, but, yeah, we're pretty much never going to get a season three of this show because Sony has the rights to it. But, you know, who knows what will happen because this show is great and fantastic and I cannot praise it enough because it is sadly gone too soon sort of thing. But, yeah, the uh, shows that, that we got after Spectacular Spider-Man no. do no justice Even the, the ones before. Like, I grew up watching the, the 90s one, like, the really, like, bad 90s one. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, the animated, animated series. series. And I was just like, I thought, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then Spectacular came out. I'm like, yo, this is actually really good. <laughs> so, and nothing has surpassed it since. Yeah. Like, even in terms of other Spider-Men, like, like movie-wise or anyway, like, I still feel like the Spectacular Spider-Man is, like, just a really good representation of the character, like you said. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know, hopefully one day we get season three, but it's very, very, very unlikely, but it's a, it's a nice dream to have. Yeah, definitely. Because every single time I watch the final episode, I'm like, man, they set so much up, like so well too. And then it's like, we're never yeah, going to get it. Unfortunately. Like, mm-hmm. And like one thing about the, uh, behind these scenes was that like they had like index cards to like lay out uh, in terms of like how characters arcs went and i was like this is like genius and i could see it all play out within the show exactly how nicely layered it is and how organized or whatever but i'm gonna stop gushing <laughs> about the show because it it's just... very good like honestly if no one has watched it like watch yes. it. it's very good okay so is there anything uh, else you would like to it. add good stuff Okay, so thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, we will see you guys two weeks from now with the next <laughs> yep, episode. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs>